I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who'll be telling their amazing rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. All right, no problem. Eva, thanks again for uh, joining for the second time. Uh, we're fortunate to have you uh, around here and, and Ditch Digger fans, I know are going to be blessed to have you on board as well. Um uh, I think really just to get started, uh, I'm just curious to understand uh, sort of what your life has looked like uh, since the beginning of COVID and what sort of trends that you're starting to see uh, with some of the clients that you're working with and some of your business partners. Yeah, well, I think it's no secret to the listeners that essentials have been redefined and revalued. And as an investor in basic goods and services, I absolutely have seen that value increase in the interest in businesses providing healthcare, energy access, sanitation and waste services, agriculture tools, and financial inclusion, which are the five areas we invest in at Beyond Capital. Um, you know, I mean, I also just will speak from the perspective of being in, in the middle of a venture fund raise and doing that virtually. Um, I actually think it's, it's a boon to be able to connect with people virtually over Zoom and have the ability to foster a real connection because I think we're all getting used to this. You know, I've never met you, Robbie, or Gary before, but I feel that we also have an authentic connection. Um, and so I think in general, I can only be grateful for uh, this time and you know we're very busy it's also brought a lot of important topics to the surface um, and I think that our solutions will be lasting uh, this time around and I also have been able to engage a little bit more around topics like Black Lives Matter um, and use some of my own channels to help amplify voices that uh, maybe we we weren't outwardly uh, interacting with before. So those are three areas. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to those who don't have as many silver linings as I do. Yeah, yeah, no, appreciate that. And so when it comes to I know, like part of your fund is obviously on a global scale, or at least international, uh, specific to Africa, uh, I know, for sure. 
So I guess I'm just interested to understand a bit more around the dynamic that you've seen. Has there been any shifts in terms of more of a globalization for solutions coming up or have they really stayed specific to similar trends that you were already seeing pre-COVID? Well, um, the market was never addressed. So we are investing in a 1 billion person market in India, Kenya, Rwanda, and Uganda markets that lack, where low-income individuals lack access to basic goods and services. I think uh, nothing has changed significantly around the innovations. I mean, I I do believe there are some bubbles in ed tech in India, possibly even in agriculture in Africa, um, as we think about security and uncertainty and a flight to assets that make us secure. but uh, we've we've seen, you know, kind of similar level of deal flow companies that um, have innovative solutions. Two things I would just comment on that are slightly different in our thinking um, and the way we describe our work as well. One of them is um, we've always invested in people, and with the kind of focus on more stakeholders coming into light. Um, during the COVID pandemic, we really started to think a lot about, well, what are these people bringing to the table? And ultimately, what their their value is, is being a conscious leader. And so um, a lot of our kind of process of going out and talking about our work at the moment for our raise, but also, you know, doing the, the investment work every single week with the pipeline, deep in with the companies, has really shown us that what matters is conscious leadership, where a leader is thinking about more than herself and more than just shareholders, but also thinking about all stakeholders, including employees, you know, customers, the government, communities, the environment, um, and you know, in specific cases, could get could get broader than that. Um, so, conscious leadership is is one area. The second is kind of a, a a global trend to solve for some of the, the lacking access that we have. And while the business models are relatively the same as what we've seen in the past, we do see greater interest, um, especially in India, um, for early stage companies. So we haven't seen that demand go away as we are an early stage funder. Um, so that's it's not necessarily a, it doesn't impact our work so much, but um, in some cases you might say that there's a little bit of increased competition. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, I think it's all absolutely warranted too. Like you were saying, if it's a, a billion person uh, issue to solve right now, uh, it's a large market and it's an important market to ultimately help and, and solve for the future too. Uh, so going off the idea of the conscious leader, uh, I know it's a big buzzword right now, and it's obviously top of mind just through my experience from LinkedIn as well. Uh, we went through Fred Kaufman's like conscious business, um, like a training for that for about a week, and we worked with uh, Prakash Raman on it. Uh, really start with the why. Uh, but I'm just curious when you are going through these interviews, like what sorts of processes or frameworks do you use to really uncover someone who is authentically a conscious leader? Yeah. I'm actually in the process of putting together a conscious leadership scorecard um, for our own due diligence process. But um, from my past investing experience, because I would say that my dozen portfolio companies in the first fund 
are, are all led by conscious leaders. I think the first and foremost um, sign of a conscious leader is kind of commitment to their mission um, and understanding and uh, a deep, deep awareness that success in their mission will also drive financial performance. In other words, impact is baked into their business model. There are a lot of models out there that perhaps don't have impact inextricably linked and therefore there are trade-offs and that's where where impact investing falls short of investor expectations but i believe that if a company is conscious leadership driven it will have the right formula of impact not necessarily needing to have a trade-off um, so showing that commitment comes through deep conversations and the due diligence process it comes through reference checks it comes through understanding who they are as people um, and also, you know, what motivates them. Uh, and so as much as we are doing due diligence on their financial projections and all of the hard-nosed stuff, we're also getting to know who they are. Um, and then I think you can really easily start to see whether an entrepreneur is walking the talk. Let me give you an example. We were looking at um, a company that electrifies uh, fleets of motorbikes in India and out of nowhere, they had kind of a relationship in, in Midland, Texas, you know, not too far from where I am, um, with an oil sands company to help electrify their fleet. In my opinion, working with a fossil fuel company when having a very big vision around electrification and the next generation of renewables um, is not congruous. And it, it, it piqued my interest. It kind of got me a, a, an orange flag or a yellow flag. What's interesting is that later on, as we did continued our due diligence on the business, we learned that the CEO, one of, excuse me, one of the co-founders was kind of not honest about using a family company as one of their suppliers. Their communication style was not um, respectful um, in the due diligence process. And we ultimately said, this is not the type of company we want to invest in. And I think if I were to distill that down to one reason, it is because it was not run by conscious leaders. It was run by individuals that see the pie as finite, that are grabbing all the business they can get, but ultimately not committed to their mission. And then, you know, just, just one other quality, I think, of a conscious leadership, conscious leader is that they truly do understand that their own leadership health and their even their spiritual and mental health will play into how they show up at their work as a leader and um, in working with an executive coach i've always kind of been been taught that and i think we you know we still do have an undertone in our culture of go 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 be busy 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 but i know that i do my best work when i am taking care of myself and i think that that goes for everyone. And so conscious leaders, we've seen them in our portfolio come to us and say, we need an executive coach. We don't have it in the business budget. Are you willing to help us out? How can we work together to get the skills that we need? Or, you know, just doing ad hoc kind of shoulder to cry on sessions with some portfolio companies, I think can help provide that space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge believer in uh, mental and physical wellness. So I, I stand by that tenfold or a hundredfold if you could. Uh, so through this process, you, like you mentioned, you're, you're in the process of putting together a conscious uh, leader scorecard. You also have now labeled out two very specific uh, highlights that you look for in terms of the commitment to the mission, as well as a strong mental and uh, overall well-being. 
I'm curious if, if that was a product of your first 12 investments or was that something that you were thinking about ahead of time uh, in sort of how is that shaped through the process now of actually going out and looking for a second round of funding or yeah. capital raise? Yeah, we were lucky to invest in impact-driven companies. I think when they were allowed to be particularly mission-driven, our first fund sat underneath a nonprofit structure strategically so that we could also assist in contributing more resources than just capital. Um, and, And so, but where we stand now, we are at a point of maturity in the industry where companies do need to be very clear about showing unit economics that add up. So I think we have learned a lot from the leaders in our portfolio. Now, as always, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we likely may not have invested in some of the companies, probably more in our due diligence process earlier on um, that we reviewed and, and considered. I think now they would be a hard and fast no, simply because we would have this muscle um, and I, I've always said this as an investor, even when I was investing hundreds of millions of dollars of pension money into hedge funds, there is a sense that you have when you know that there is a commitment or there isn't. And then, of course, there, there are things that can quantify that. So, yes, um, a lot of our thinking around conscious leadership now is absolutely drawn from our portfolio. I know that a lot of John Mackey's thinking around conscious leadership is drawn from his experiences in running and selling Whole Foods and now staying on as a CEO under Amazon. Um, and so uh, our, our view, and there are some great resources out there, including his book, but also um, the 15 commitments of a conscious leader is also an excellent one um, that some of your readers might be interested in. And um, I think there are a number of perspectives and steps you can take to kind of like, you know, be more concrete. But really at, at this point, we've also learned a lot about the personality types that move to the countries or are born in the countries where we invest and what drives them. And we aim to kind of incorporate that in getting to know new entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so for the the listeners that are also still even further interested in understanding more about like your business, uh, can you under, like help the listeners just with a little bit of insight into the capital raise that you went through, some of the the processes that you felt like were uniquely positioned to you guys and how that ultimately led to the success that you're starting to see or you have seen through the successful raise? Yeah. Well, we're still in the middle of the raise, um, but I think we've, we've gotten okay. to a point where we will, we will final close with an, a really incredible group of limited partners. And I, I, I think of the world in, in networks in many ways, and I, I hope that they get to know one another because I think it'll be a really incredible um, just kind of match of individuals. But um, when thinking about what are some of the core qualities of what we do, I mean, one is this kind of belief that conscious leadership will drive um, innovation around basic goods and services. Um, The second is creating a diversified product um, that is multi-country, and multi-strategy so that it is turnkey for investors that want access to purpose-driven, impact-driven businesses in emerging markets. Um, and we've done the research, you know, for example, we used to invest in Tanzania and we no longer will invest in Tanzania with our new fund based on lacking fundamentals. So we have truly done kind of the, 
the research to know and be comfortable that we are investing in the right markets to produce venture-like returns. Um, and then, and then I would say kind of the last is our track record, um, which extends to a financial exit in our first fund, a strong book value IRR impact of seven on seven million individuals with basic goods and services, as well as 5.2 million women. Our entire portfolio is known as 2X eligible, which is a framework for measuring how the the, how companies and initiatives are empowering women in developing countries. We have 70% of our founders are female founders. Um, so we also have impact themes such as gender distribution and livelihoods that, and, and mobility that overlay our portfolio. Um, and so the, the results really stand for themselves. And um, so those are kind of the three areas. I think investors are also interested in funding a female fund manager who has a track record. And the way I like to say it is we want more representation from women and people of color in finance. We have to actually put money into their funds. And I feel really great about being the next generation of female fund manager. Um, this is my next 10 years, uh, at least, you know, fund one. And I'm really excited. I, I, don't, I don't lose sleep at night. Um, about our investment strategy. I think we've got a pretty strong foundation. Absolutely. And Gary, do you want to add on to that? No, I mean, I, uh, it's really fun listening to, to you, Eva, as far as, you know, your, the way you think about these things. And when I, when, I, when I look at what you're doing, what, you know, I'm sure you've done a lot of due diligence. What, what's the, uh, you know, when, when we talk about our foundation and giving back and the, our Rayvine Group Foundation being part of the culture of who we are and our businesses, um, we're confident that there, we, we, we have better production, better people, better relationships, and, and overall better culture than, than if we didn't have that foundation, right? Um, our businesses, you know, our, our businesses serve, you know, a certain couple of different industries, facilities, and energy industry and all that. But, uh, and and we, we think that, you know, we, we do a lot of good work in, in what we do, but our foundation definitely does things that are, that are uh, I, I think, bring culture and, and people that care together a lot a lot more than our businesses can even, right? So when I, when I, when I think about, you know, you, you look at, you know, profitability of companies that have conscious, uh, you, know, you know, conscious leaders uh, as well as teams. What, when you compare that, if you've done any, I'm sure you've done some due diligence maybe in comparing, what's the expectation? Do you expect it, you know, some people would say, oh gosh, if you're, you know, you've got conscious, conscious leaders, conscious, con conscious capital, capitalist uh, leaders, they're probably not going to make as much money as those that aren't, right? The profits probably going to be as good, so maybe the expectation's lower. What's your What's your feeling to all that? That is not true. Um, not to contradict you right off the bat, but um, here are a couple data points. Until yeah, by, by, by the way, you're not contradicting me because I believe in it. I'm just saying I know. that I know there's people that don't, right? Absolutely. So it's important to have the, the to be armed with the data. Um, yeah. So. Since the Great Recession, uh, up until the end of 2019, 15 of the 17 companies that went bankrupt that were listed that were um, listed on the exchanges and traded within the S&P 500 were lacking in ESG, environmental, social, and governance qualities. Um, so that's kind of you know number one. There's a lot of media articles, studies that have come out um, since the beginning of 2020, but even before that, 
that says that ESG is now referred to as risk factors. So let me walk you through just kind of even high level conceptual ideas for those who don't know necessarily what environmental, social and governance um, criteria can be. I mean, first of all, there's the environment and even potential lawsuits. I mean, for example, like the BP oil spill is one good, great example of that. Um, on the social side, um, you have companies that are not treating their employees well. Um, there's a well-known hedge fund manager. I actually can't recall his name, um, but he has funded um, Just Capital. And Just Capital is a, it's a corporate tracker that tracks companies and how they're responding to the COVID crisis. And frankly, I think it's, it's not, it's not going to stick with COVID. It's just starting as like a framework of how companies are behaving and kind of creating a value system around that. And then when it comes to governance, I think at the end of the day, what you, what you see is we may not be there, yet, but yet, but I think consumers will penalize companies that lack diversity. Um, and so the, so when we think about the risk factors of ESG, to me, those are important data points to integrate into a, a financial due diligence. And, and, and the numbers have shown that, especially with public market investing, companies that perform better beyond just shareholder expectations, beyond just the single bottom line, are more resilient. Um, and, you know, we, we all had to stomach a lot in 2020. Um, and I think I would love to know that my portfolio was, was more resilient and, and not going to be shocked by some of those ESG factors. Um, so that's how I would explain it. And the last thing I would just say is in my own interviews with over 50 purpose-driven leaders in all industries from commercial real estate to the largest Black-owned bank that's publicly traded on the NASDAQ stock exchange to Left Coast Naturals, which makes hippie snacks sold in, you know, big Whole Foods, you know, a lot of people know about that brand. Um, these are all companies that have been around for a long time, decades. Um, well, Left Coast Natural started in the mid 90s and uh, it's been a purpose driven company from day one. And so I think we need to also look at the examples um, that allow us to have a more emotional connection to our money. Um, and when we can do that, the sky's the limit, in my opinion. Yeah. Sure. And, and uh, when you look at purpose-driven through like, the, you know, as you said, e ES, ESG, right? Is what you're yeah. Saying. So when you look at that, how do you balance that? How do you weigh that out? Because I got to believe there's, you know, some companies are very strong in one, one of those, not sure. maybe the other two or two, right? Or two out of three, let's say, or whatever. And, and, and it, you know, when there's a culture in place with, you know, of, of years of, of practice, hard to change some things, right? Um, if somebody's super strong on one side, environmental, but you know they're they're just not that strong on the diversity side. That you know maybe they're tr they're trying to get there, but they're not close, right? Um, what what do you, how do you look at that? I don't think they should be penalized. Um, you know, we shouldn't let perfect be the enemy of good. And um, I think it's important to know that this is a progress, a process, and success is always a process. But it's very important to define your values. So that's why defining your values is so critical. So we three here on this call could care about three different issue areas or topics. And that is okay. So we all might decide to invest in companies with different weightings of the E, the S, and the G. And we're going to live in that world for a while, I think probably for the next couple of decades. I do think in the next five years, 
ESG screening, also known as SRI, sustainable, um, socially responsible investing, will be mainstream. Um, we've already had some large banks say that they will show them as default to their clients in their private banking seg seg segments. And so, um, and, and, you know, lower dollar amount investors have plenty of access to ESG. So that will change. But I do think getting a company to be, you know, 100% aware of all of its stakeholders it will take time. It unfortunately might take a lot of situations that we as humans have to go through to make sure to, to, to shed light on the fact that they are um, important. I think one of the silver linings of COVID is that it has shown that all stakeholders matter. And um, so we luckily, I mean, for better, for much worse, but for better, we've got to accelerate a little bit of this thinking. And I think companies will, will do better going forward. Awesome. No, I, I uh, agree with a lot of that. I mean, uh, and so when, so when you're looking today, you know, your fund is how much invested so far? Are you 75% of the way there, 50% of the way there? My first fund is almost fully invested. It's evergreen. So we have the opportunity to continue to invest. Um, the second fund, we are closing our first close at likely at the end of January. And so we'll hit the ground running, but we already have strong pipelines. So we would allocate about 2.4 million in the first year. Are you, are you finding that stage deals? Are you finding that like in, in 2020, one thing you have is an advantage of understanding businesses that are even more recession proof, maybe? I yeah. mean, I, when I look at 2020, if you're investing in businesses now, boy, if they're, if they're doing okay now, right? Growing now, it, you know, just a great indication that they're more recession proof maybe than, than, than what you may have thought before, right? Absolutely. We've seen a lot of resilience in our current portfolio and it has 100% informed our investment strategy going forward. Um, you are so on point with that. And frankly, I think the vintage of my fund is going to be incredible starting okay. out in 2021. Um, I think, you know, I can't, I could not have timed this. And, and I think all the tragedy was definitely not worth it. And we're still living through it. But um, we do have more discernment around what sectors are critical, um, where maybe we wanted to de-emphasize a little bit. Um, we've made some small changes within our sector focus. And actually one area where we're, we are adding um, what we would call an impact theme, but it could also be viewed as a subsector, is thinking about mobility within the sectors that we invest in. So healthcare, mobility, and we just funded a drone healthcare delivery business. Um, but cool. also thinking about, you know, mobility within agriculture. So how do you actually do, how do you create food um, sometimes agriculture is for other purposes, but, you know, create food using perhaps means that are more technological or um, even, you know, find ways to use mobility or sky mobility like drones to make mm -hmm. the process of growing and, and even transporting food more efficient. Sure. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's fun. That's a lot of, that's fun stuff when you can be, you know, thinking of the future and understanding, you know, where things are going, and then investing in, in a way that you're finding the right, the right leadership, the right, the right uh, social, social responsible companies that can hopefully lead in those fronts. Right? Pretty cool. You, you, you the word fun, I think, is totally underrated in our world of business and investing. I think we all want to feel good at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And what I love about my work is that I that I do get to enjoy the purpose that comes along with it. 
Cool. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're very blessed, and and it's uh, people have people are blessed that you're part of their their team as you as you do go forward because your network that you're growing, like you're saying, is one that you're going to be able to really leverage, in my opinion, right? The, the network of leaders across all these different diff, different uh, industries, right? That could network with each other, that can learn from each other, could be incredible. If you, you know, I'm sure you're you're really thinking about how you're going to use that for the best interest of all, right? Yeah, there are a lot of connections that can be made. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to be done into the future. And I, I also believe that some of these entrepreneurs will exit their companies and do really fascinating things afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. So being able to be a part of being, being one of their early funders of their business is like, it's a way for them to want to stay in touch with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, 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 you're going to help them scale and that, that in a way, hopefully they, they didn't understand, they didn't know they could, right? And, and create yeah. value and enterprise value and, and, you know, have fun while you're doing it and, and have fun when it's done. And probably be, they'll probably be future investors in your future funds and, and board members maybe, right? Absolutely. It should be awesome. You know, it's a, it's a circle of, of, uh, of business, right? Uh, sure. And that's, that's really cool. Awesome. Um, what else you got, Robbie, for, for this, uh, this, this leader of, uh, of, of uh, leader, leader leaders that we have on with us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is you had mentioned that you're, uh, the fund that you're raising right now, uh, you have a 10-year vision. So I'm curious if we look into, uh, I guess, 2030 at this point, and we're looking back on the last 10 years, uh, what does success look like? Yeah, it looks like a thriving portfolio of 18 to 21 investments that have been exited. Um, and, you know, we don't believe in the, what we would call the spray and pray model of venture investing, where we invest in, let's say, 10 companies for sake of being round and have, you know, a 10x, a few doubles and singles, and then losses being subsidized by the winners. We, we expect a more consistent band um, in the mid-single digits across our portfolio. Um, and so, but we know based on our prior track record that every dollar we invest impacts 17 lives. And so I think the, the fascinating part of the impact that we will have is reaching a quarter of a billion people. Wow, fantastic. And what, something I've noticed uh, really commonly with leaders, I feel like who are thinking as far out into the future as you are, is that they have a, a long-term vision that's more intrinsic uh, to themselves. And, and they wanna make sure that as they're progressing through their career that they're aligning with that. So. I'm interested in come retirement time, uh, what does success look like and what, what is your vision that you're trying to accomplish or ultimately fulfill? Yeah, you know, what I'm here to do is serve. Um, I grew up in a family that served uh, living in Africa and American politics and working in the um, Office of Economic uh, Development after World War II. Um, and... I, I really believe that that is the purpose of my work. Um, now, I'm super excited about that drone company, and I cannot wait to look back and see what the the multiple on the exit is because I think it's going to be incredible. So I, I don't want you to think that you know I'm kind of motivated only by um, one side. I think it, it really all comes together. Um, so it's, it's not only the fund, as you know, we've built a brand about, around our fund, um, because we know there are a lot of people that want to talk about impact investing or hear about it or learn about it that don't necessarily have a background in finance or 
want, have a $50 million portfolio where they can access some of these elite networks um, that, you know, give them deal flow. They, they simply just want to know how to contribute beyond themselves. And so I think that you will see that some of those, the, the online magazine um, continues to kind of speak more widely. It grows its following. Um, it's called the conscious investor. Um, and to me, that would also be a way to, to have additional you know, what I would view to be success, because through that, we share stories that, you know, we can't invest in, for example, maybe currently, and though I think our model is translatable to the U.S., um, but currently, you know, entrepreneurs in the U.S. that are doing really interesting purpose-driven work, um, we're not investing in that, so we share their stories through our, our online magazine, um, and uh, I think, you know, I, I may, um, I don't think I'll ever be an entrepreneur, um, myself, because I view myself as an entrepreneur, meaning like starting a business, like in the countries where I'm investing in. I, I don't, I think that I, I like this side of being an investor. I think I will continue though to be entrepreneurial um, in the expansion of the work that I do and, and hopefully always trying to push the envelope. Awesome. Uh, so Robbie, uh, you, yeah, we've got it and, and top of the hour, right? You got to go top of the hour. So you want, you want to finish up with what you've, what you've got out of this round. Yeah, absolutely. So I have three takeaways this time. The, the first takeaway that we got is probably pretty apparent, but focusing on conscious leaders, uh, but more specifically, focusing on individuals that are intrinsically motivated to solve something bigger than, than themselves. And I think along with that, like you were mentioning, is it's particularly a, a balance between really fostering the best uh, individual that they can in themselves through mental and physical well-being, but also making sure that they're focusing on the bigger picture. And I think it is really important because you don't want to have success in one at the sacrifice of another, uh, because then ultimately you just don't perform at uh, the top level that you can. Um, so I, I liked how it was that you had baked down into just two simple takeaways uh, in terms of a conscious leader, uh, like two bullet points to look for, because I think the more that you clutter it up or add a, a five or six bullet points, it becomes more difficult to realize. Uh, so. Um, the first one was focused on becoming a conscious leader. Uh, the second is uh, really in line with the network uh, of individuals that you surround yourself with uh, and making sure that ultimately those individuals are aligned with the mission that you're trying to accomplish. Uh, and I think that there's sometimes networking gets a little bit misconstrued in the sense that it's just meeting people for the sake of meeting people. Uh, but making sure that, especially in this case, that you have an individual that you're, is aligned with your vision uh, both personally and professionally, uh, and then making sure that through that process you can use uh, their networks as a, a catalyst for ultimately achieving that mission. And the last one is uh, more really like holistic or macro, if you will, or abstract, is that I just believe that uh, the takeaway for our listeners today is that like as a part of humanity, uh, that I think we have a responsibility for uh, our current generation as well as future generations. Uh, to really build businesses centered around a triple bottom line uh, and impacting uh, the world as a whole, uh, both socially and, and economically. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to mean that you're trading off financial profit or return or ownership structure or any of the things that people who have a proclivity to think that they have to give up, you know, success think um, the pie is not finite. That's, that's not what that's, it comes down I, to. 
I like that a, a lot, really, even when, when I think about it. You know, we, we've, we have tried to educate other people and, and, and you know, starting their, in our businesses, it's like starting a foundation that you can give back to the, to the things you believe in the most, your team believes in the most, whatever, whatever those causes are for your community to, to uplift your community and all that. And, and we've had a lot of fun with it. And for us, you know, we're, we're in, a, we're in a, an old kind of old industries. We do have a drone, a pretty cool drone company that I think I may have told you about before. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. We've got, a, we got robots we put under the ground. That's a fun technology business as well. Um, but, but overall, like a lot of businesses are old school businesses. And, and, and uh, you know, we can do some really cool stuff there. Like, you know, we, we definitely, can, you know, consider the environment, everything we do. You know, we, we definitely consider, you know, who we hire and, and, and how we, we make sure we have diversity diversity of mind and, and, and everything else. When we look at social issues, uh, you know, our foundation really does a lot on that side that, that really helps. But uh, I, I'm confident that our profits are better because we do these things. I'm confident that our team members, our culture is better because of these things. And, and I'd love to see if there's a way, you know, we can get something out there that kind of, uh, that has really kind of uh, really good data that we can get out to, the, to the, our, our business friends across the globe to say, hey, check this out, right? Uh, you know, some, some people don't believe that it can have that much value. And, it, and, I, and I believe like you that it can, if there's data out there, we can show people that, Hey, if you're, you know, you're socially responsible, this is a, this could be the, the, the benefit of, if, if you, if you're not, not planning on, on more profits, even it, they, they may come by being, by being more engaged with community and, and, and uh, you know, government and uh, all the things you talk about. So I think that's the coolest part of it all, right? You, you think about, Hey, we want to do good things because we, we live on this earth one time. Um, and we want to make sure it's a better place when we leave, right? But but even better yet, gosh, you can even do more than that because you make more profits because of it. You can serve more people because of it. So that's really Absolutely. cool. Yeah, I can I can send you over a a war chest of articles that I have around ESG performance. It's in it's for investors, um, but maybe it's a good starting point, and then we can point listeners to the B Corporation movement as well, which I think has some great examples. That'd be awesome. Cool. But hey. Great seeing you, Joe. Really appreciate everything you do, and uh, let's let's get together soon, okay? Thank you both. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Gary. Have an incredible holiday season. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Though I was called the Digger Man Aiming for a living and doing the best I can Discovered entrepreneurship Scaling business plans Then I became the CEO Man we're blessed to build a business in America Where soldiers fight for our freedom every day Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck Rolling down Highway 31 Lord, I was called Ditch Digger Man Aiming for a living and doing the best I can Discovered entrepreneurship, scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man